Hello and happy Tuesday. You're listening to episode 23 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. My name is Mason Cratch, and if you are tuning into this episode for the first time, welcome. If this is your last time, goodbye. And if you've been here before, man, I'm just excited you're here. Thanks so much for listening. Gosh, what an exciting time. Episode 23, gotta love it. It's good stuff. I'm in a different room in my house today, so there might be a little bit of an echo. I'm not sure if we're gonna hear that or not when I'm trying to, you know, edit this thing, you know, do things that I don't know how to do, you know. Um, Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, man. Um, Gosh, nothing's really happened since last week, I don't think. Um, We're going to Boston, Massachusetts um, area. It's actually Westford, which is like 30 minutes from Boston next week. So that'll be really exciting. Hopefully I have some stories to tell from that. Obviously, I'm really excited because I'll be going to Fenway Park to watch the Red Sox take on the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm excited for that, obviously. As a big baseball fan, Fenway Park is um, the place of all places. It doesn't really get much much bigger or better than Fenway Park. So pretty excited about that. Um, I'm trying to book a hotel right now. We're, we're going for a funeral, so it's not all that exciting. But I'm trying to book a hotel right now, and I'm just really like not confident about booking hotels anymore because a few weeks ago we were up um, in the Screw Lake area of New York, just south of the... The old Adirondacks, as they say around here, which, you know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, we ended up leaving a day early and we went to Albany, New York, which is pretty interesting. Um, and uh, it's actually not that interesting. But one thing that was interesting about it is we stayed at this hotel that was right next to the New York State Capitol. Um, so we went over and we walked around the New York State Capitol. First of all, it was like a Sunday morning. And there's like a really strong Catholic church presence near the Capitol and we're near the hotel where we stayed at. But we got up early and we thought, you know, what, it might be fun to go check out a coffee shop in Albany. It's kind of like Becca and I's thing is that we like to check out kind of cool, you know, niche coffee shops. Um, and we, you know, we figured maybe we'll try Albany's coffee and see if it's any good. You know, we try to get coffee where we go. We also have two kids that don't sleep. So, you know, coffee is kind of a necessary thing all the time. Um, but there was literally nothing open in Albany on a Sunday morning. It was crazy. It was like 8 a.m. And it was like, it, it was like, like Jesus came back and took everybody from Albany and somehow we were left behind and, and Andrew Cuomo wasn't, which is like shocking, um, that Jesus would take Andrew Cuomo back, but not us, but all good. Um, yeah, nothing was open on a Sunday morning. We kind of just wandered around and, um, we went up and there was a coffee shop that said it was open on Google Maps, but oh, is it not just the worst when a company doesn't update their Google Maps or the Google listing so that it says that it's open on your maps or online, um, but then you actually get there and the hours are different? Dude, if you own a business, okay, and you've recently changed your hours and you haven't updated it on your Google My Business listing, stop listening to this podcast. I promise you, you're not going to miss anything of substance today, go to your Google My Business listing and change the time that you're open because I'm tired of going to your place of biz and you're nowhere to be found. All good, forgive and forget, but not happy about that. Stop what you're doing, head over to your Goog and change the time. I will not ask again. So anyways, we walked around the New York State Capitol, which was pretty cool. Um, 
the Capitol building is like like 150 years old. It was crazy. It was built like the 1850s. Um, so it was like crazy old. It's almost 200 years old. And But it was so funny because we were walking around it and we noticed that the building had a bunch of like built-in statues of like everyday animals. So we were walking on the side of it and, and there was just like a golden retriever etched into the side of the Capitol building. It was just the funniest thing to us that that someone thought of doing that back in the 1850s. Um, but yeah, so walked around old New York. Um, nothing was open. We had to go to a Dunkin' Donuts like a bunch of idiots. And um, that was that. Dude, my my family out here, Becca's family, dude, they love Dunkin' Donuts. It's like, like Dunkin' Donuts for my people listening in California. Dunkin' Donuts to my extended married into family is like the in and out to people in California. They just think that Dunkin's is the greatest thing to happen ever. And Dunkin's, Dunkin' Donuts coffee tastes like the bottom of a wheelbarrow. It's it's not good. It, it's just not good. And and I know that I'm going to lose half of my listeners after saying that, but that's how I feel. And if you don't like it, and you happen to have a business and you've changed your hours recently, go change it on your Google My Business listing, okay? But anyway, so um, so when we went to Albany, it was kind of like a last-minute decision, and I used Priceline.com to get a cheap deal on a hotel. And one thing about hotels is hotels have, like, you know, classy names, kind of. Like, some of them don't really try to have a classy name, like Best Western I mean, Best Western does not try hard at all, or like Holiday Inn or Motel 6. You know, some of them are really honest about just where they're at as a hotel, right? But then you start getting complicated when you start getting these hotels that use fancy names, and then on top of Priceline displaying very inaccurate pictures, you can find yourself in a predicament that I found myself in. So we decided, hey, you know what? We're kind of done here at the lake. You know, the kids are ready for sort of a new adventure. Let's go check out Albany, New York, and let's go get a hotel out there. It'd be kind of fun. We've never stayed in a hotel as a family before. They got a pool. We can go swimming with the kids, and, you know, we thought it'd be great. So, you know, we packed up early, and we headed out to Albany. It was like maybe an hour and a half away from the lake that we were at. So we get to Albany, and the hotel I booked, again, off of Priceline.com, was called the Ramada now, if you've ever stayed at a Ramada, then you probably know that Ramada is probably Arabic for butt cheek because it's a terrible hotel. It's really, really bad. Um, maybe you've been into a nice one. I don't know. But, you know, we were strolling around Albany trying to get to the hotel and we realized, man, you know, with every turn we get to, the area just seems to be getting worse and worse. So, dude, I pull up to the parking lot of the Ramada. Now, my wife is a very patient and wonderful and gorgeous soul. And I could tell that she was fighting off the, 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 the urgency to say, no, we're not staying here. She was trying so hard to have a good attitude about it, which I just love her for. But I thought, you know what? It looks a little bad outside. You know, they haven't mowed the lawn in a while. The grass is really, really tall. They haven't you know, taking the time to take the weeds out of the parking lot and they haven't, you know, redone the parking lot in, in probably 60 years and there's no like 
paint for any parking spots, you know, just like random red flags where you're kind of just like, hmm, I don't quite know about this. I said, you know what, let me go check it out inside. Let me just see, you know, what goes on in there, right? So I hop out of the car and I walk on over there and I walk inside and the first thing I notice is that the two employees at the front desk are very distracted, which is fine. I get distracted all the time. I'm distracted right now. One lady um, was talking to what I only assume is a coworker. Now, you know, this is a friendly podcast. This is this is a family-friendly podcast. These two women were rather loud. Um, they were yelling all sorts of profanities about one of their other coworkers that worked at the hotel. And they were just openly doing that in front of me, a paying customer. They were just yapping about F this, F that guy. He's such a, you know, snake. He backstabbed you. And now you have to work this weekend when you're supposed to have this weekend off. You know, that type of thing. But they were just having, like, those are like, you know, break room chatter or maybe group text chatter. You know, you know, the, the, the things. And uh, anyway... Sorry, my little brother. Uh, my little brother just texted me, and I, my little brother stresses me out, dude. He'll like text me, and he says, "Hey, I got bad news," and then he'll he'll end the text. He'll end the text. He'll say, "Hey, I got bad news." Now I'm an anxious being. Okay, when you say, "Hey, I got bad news," your fingers better be Lightning McQueen texting that next text message. You don't leave me hanging after you tell me you have bad news, okay? When you say you have bad news, either call me or text me immediately what the bad news is. Now, the worst part about all of this is that Matthew does not have bad news. He just has something really strange to say. So Matthew texted me just now and he said, oh no, randomly. Now, when you don't get a text from him all day, okay, when you don't get a text all day from him and then all he says is, oh no, you assume something bad happened. Instead, he said the Dodgers are going to get Nelson Cruz and Jose Berries. Now, his name is Jose Barrios, okay? Not Berries, but that's all it is. Matthew doesn't have anything to say ever. He was just trying to say that the Dodgers are going to make a trade. Now, don't do that to me. Anyways, dude, I'm fired up this podcast. I'm, I'm just, I'm opinionated today, dude. Normally, this is a happy raccoon. This is an opinionated ca- raccoon today, dude. It's an opinionated raccoon. Anyways, where was I? So I walk into the Ramada Inn, and these two coworkers, they're, you know, yelling at each other, you know, they're, they're you know, having some sort of, uh, some sort of banter back and forth. And, and then this Asian gentleman. Now, his race is insignificant to the story. And truthfully, I don't care about it. But it adds to the story's detail. So, let me tell you about the characteristics of the other two people. That way, it truly shows that I'm not a racist at all. The other two people were, were very big and very blonde and very loud. Now, you have a picture in your head of Mason walking into the Ramada Inn, and there's two big brassy ladies yelling, and then there's an Asian gentleman behind the desk. Now, he very rudely says, what do you want? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a hotel. But typically, there's only one use for the hotel, and that is to stay in the hotel. I said, "Um, yeah, I'm here to check in. And now I said it with as much sarcasm as I could muster up. And he said, ID. Now, 
I am not one to get super salty over bad customer service, but Ramada and I were off to a bad start, okay? He says, ID. So now I whip out my ID and he starts, you know, yabbering, this, that, and the other. And then he just hands me my room key, doesn't tell me any directions as to where the hotel is and, or where my hotel room is, sorry. He just hands me the keys and that was it. Now I've just got real bad vibes already. Just It's just, you know, if it were just me, I wouldn't care. I would go up there, I'd go right to sleep and I would wake up the next morning and that would be that. But when you have your kids with you, it's just different. You just don't want to deal with rude people when you have your kids. You want your kids to be in a safe, warm environment all the time. So immediately I'm thinking, I just don't think we're staying here, but I wanted to have a good attitude. And truthfully, though, the, the lobby, to give them full credit, the lobby of the hotel didn't look that bad. The lobby was the only thing that was well put together of the entire place. The lobby looked okay. So I go and I retrieve my wife and my two beautiful daughters, and I say, I just I don't know about this place. And Becca said, you know what? I'm sure it's going to be okay. Let's go check out the room. And, uh, you know, so we do. We gather up the kids, and we start walking. And again, no idea where our room is. So we rock down the hall, and then we start noticing. We see the pool, and the pool is almost overgrown with tall grass. Now, mind you, the pictures on Priceline were pristine. This place looked fantastic. You can look it up. Look up the Ramada Inn Plaza, I think, in Albany, New York. The pictures look great. I mean, they really do. So we walked in the hall and we noticed the pool to the right out of a window and it's overgrown with grass and it just looked like it hadn't been cleaned in, you know, seven years. And we looked down and the the carpet, you know, that crappy like hotel carpet that is kind of like all sorts of weird designs to mask the blood drops or whatever that they're trying to hide. It was like duct taped down to the ground. And so we're like, man, this place is just kind of the worst. All right, so we go around, and we're looking for our room. We turn left, walk down the hall, and nothing. We, our room was like, say, like 425. I don't remember what it was. But they said that it was on the first floor, I think, something like that. We go, we turn left, nothing. We go, we turn right, nothing. Now we're asking, where the heck is our hotel room? They say, first floor. And we're looking, and we're looking, and we're looking, and finally we decide, you know, let's go up this elevator. Sure enough, we go up the elevator, and we see a sign that says our room, but the minute, the minute that we got out of the elevator, there was just like open construction going on inside the hotel. <sighs> no. So we just decided, you know what? Forget it. We're not staying here. So we ended up leaving the hotel. Now you're probably wondering why I'm telling you this story, okay? It gets a little bit interesting, and it does relate to what I'm going to talk about a little bit, uh, about booking another hotel. You know, none of this actually matters, to be truthful with you. Anyway, so we take, I take the kids down, and I take Becca down, and I reload them back up in the car. And I said, okay, I'm going to go see if I can get a refund for this. Unfortunately, when you book on Priceline the same day, you don't typically get refunds. Now, my first mistake was not, like, finding a hotel and just booking it, you know, in person. So, but I go back in there, and I go up to the front desk, and now the Asian gentleman is helping out another guy. And I noticed the other guy is getting upset with the Asian person. And he said, no, I booked a room with two double beds. And then the Asian guy said, we don't have any of those rooms. And the guy said, I have my reservation right here. And then I interject and I say, oh, I think I can be of assistance to you two. And I tried to say it with pizzazz. I tried to say it with class, right? I tried to say it to lighten the tension in this otherwise dark and awful hotel called the Ramada. So looking very confused and puzzled, 
the Asian man said, what? And I said, I'm not staying here. Now, immediately, the pizzazz of my voice left, and then the woman said, why not? And I said, to be totally honest with you, this place is a disaster. I said, the hotel is overgrown. This place is dirty. We can't find our hotel room anywhere. I said, I got here, and you and some lady were just dropping F-bombs, you know, gossiping about a coworker, extremely unprofessional. I got my kids with me. And she, her jaw just drops. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm a very unconfrontational person. So already, I had felt like a kid that was going to jump off the diving board into the deep end, but changed his mind right as he was at the very end of the diving board and he was going too fast where he couldn't stop and change his mind. At this point, I've already committed. And now I got to pretend like, now I got to like really like, you know, be a man here, I guess, right? Because normally I'm just super passive and whatever, but I did want my refund, you know, figured it, you know, 75 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it was, is, you know, I'll take it. Um, so her jaw just drops. And then I don't know what overcame me that I had to do this. This is completely out of character for me, but I'm actually a little bit proud that I did it. I, at this point, I had just taken over. And now I started, starting, I was starting to get myself irritated. And as I was telling her that, you know, I got here and she was being unprofessional, her jaw drops. I look over to the Asian guy who I later find out is the manager. And I say, and you are just plain rude. And I, dude, I couldn't believe that I said that. But I did. And I'm already at the end of this diving board, baby. There's no going back. I said, you're just plain rude. And I said, and I'm not staying here. Now, randomly, this lady who apparently was behind me this whole time said to me, hey, if it makes any difference to you, the rooms are actually pretty nice. <laughs> That's really nice, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it. <laughs> Imagine me saying those things and then still staying at this hotel, right? No chance. So long story short, I ended up being able to get a refund, um, which, you know, was happy about. But we left um, that hotel and we ended up going and paying like double for a nicer hotel that had a nice pool. But I was like, at this point, I've been through enough trauma today. I'm going to, you know, spend a little bit more on a nicer hotel. But anyways, you know, the refunds take like several days of process. So, you know, including like the deposit that you have to pay so you don't destroy the hotel room and the actual hotel fees. I ended up paying like $500 in one day just to, you know, stay at a hotel. It was ridiculous. But anyways... That was our adventure of Albany, and I did not expect to that to turn into a whole segment here. That was like a small part of my note. Um, I have to take out some other things I was going to talk about today. Um, yeah. So, anyways, so we're booking a hotel from Massachusetts, and now I just don't I don't trust any online thing. I'm like a total detective right now, in that I have looked on on Google Maps, Google Images. I did Google Street View. I went on Facebook and I found a forum for people in Westford, Massachusetts, and I asked in that forum if that hotel was nice. No responses yet. Actually, I don't even think the post is posted yet. I think it has to be approved by the administrator, but I'm scarred, man. I don't want to run into any more Ramadas. I just, I got, I got trust issues with hotels right now, and especially hotels that have somewhat of a sketchy name. I think it's like the Renaissance Inn. The dude, the Renaissance Inn, it could be either a really nice place, or it could be a pigsty, and Tell you what, I'll tell you all about it in episode 25, I think. So, yeah, I will keep you posted. But anyways, that's our story of the 
hotel in Albany. Um, man, what else is going on? I started, um, I started two more classes, um, with Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. You know, if you were a listener of this podcast, you know that I just finished the love of God. Um, and my next two classes are meta narrative of scripture and understanding suffering so far. So good. Um, Understanding suffering is with the same professor as the love of God, Mr. Mike Sullivan. Um, and so far that class has been really great. It's been eye-opening for me as we talk about why there is suffering in the world and how it fits into the overall picture of, um, you know, our lives and, and, you know, God's story and, and before he redeems us and takes us all to heaven one day. Um, it's been really, really fascinating for me to learn and um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, Meta narrative of scripture is a lot more complicated. The homework is really tough. It's, um, it's very in-depth and in detail. I One particular thing I don't like about it, um, and no disrespect to the individuals, but the professor who actually makes the videos that you watch, it's online online school, right? So the professors um, is not the same guy that grades it, but the professor does the videos and then does the questions, and then some other guy grades it. And so even after my first homework assignment, um, I got a negative um, feedback on it um, from the grader, but it was really contradictory to what the professor said in the class. So that's a little bit frustrating. Um, for me, I think I just need to maybe work a little bit harder and make my answers make a little bit more sense. But that's typically kind of what you get when, you know, you have that combination of a professor that, you know, does a teaching and the questions, but a different grader maybe. I don't really know. So... I'll keep you guys updated on that. As far as the interesting, you know, the interestingness of the class, I think it's really great. I love studying the Bible. So I think being able to study it from, you know, creation to, you know, the end um, is going to be really exciting for me. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I have to do a presentation that is about 30 minutes, um, 30 minutes long, I think, 20 to 30 minutes long on, it's like the final project. It's either that or a, a five page paper now. If you know anything about me, you know that I have a podcast, and you know how I know that you know I have a podcast because you're listening to it. Um, a presentation is going to fit a little bit more in my skill set than a paper. I like talking, as you can tell. Uh, I've been doing it for 23 straight weeks with this podcast, and um, yeah. Anyway, so I'll probably do that route. I think that's a little bit more my style, so I'm looking forward to doing that presentation. Um, yeah, so we're getting we're getting exciting about that. Um, Dude, so there is a new movie out on Disney Plus, and I think it's only going to be on Disney Plus because I don't think it's going to theaters, but it is called Luca. I don't know if you have heard of it or watched it. I have two kids, um, so I like animated movies. I like them anyway, to be honest with you. Um, but let me tell you, it is a cinematic masterpiece, this movie. It is so good. I think it's my favorite Disney Pixar movie ever, um, and I've watched it probably a dozen times now, and it just keeps getting better and better, and I get goosebumps every single time I watch it. The storyline is so good. The setting is really, really cool. If you watch it, you'll immediately think, man, how much are flights to Italy, because it's set in Italy. Um, it's just a really great movie, but what is making me go a little bit crazy and cringe a little bit is that a lot of people um, is, are, I mean, a lot of conservative people um, are coming out and saying that Luca is Disney's really sly way of trying to, you know, promote homosexuality or that the two main characters are gay. 
Now, let me break down a little bit to you the the you know the story of Luca, and, and there's not gonna be any spoiler alerts here. And and honestly, if you are listening to this podcast and you care about a spoiler alert for a kids movie, then um, you know you should probably rethink some things. But anyway, so the movie is set, um, and it starts out with two fishermen that are on a boat and they're listening to some music, and then you see a sea monster come out of the water. And he starts taking things off of the boat and stealing things. Now, this ends up being um, Antonio, I think his name is, um, one of the main characters. He takes a handful of different things, and including an old-time like record player type of deal. I don't really know what it's called. So um, then from there, it goes, and you see Luca for the first time. And it's set basically you're underwater what it, on like basically like a farm type of deal. Um, full of sea monsters and so it's like a sea monster society down in the water but immediately you can tell there is a bad relationship of you know with the italians that are land people land folk and the you know the the sea monsters so it starts off you know with luca he's tending to what is like their version of sheep which is just like little fish that specific fish and he's crowned them all up but you know it gives you a couple different signs that luca wants to explore the world and uh so he notices that um, he sees something on the ground. It's like a playing card or something like that. And then he finds another thing and he finds another thing. And then he finds that music player that fell out of the boat that Antonio or whatever his name is dropped. And um, while he goes to get it, he meets Antonio. It's going to drive me crazy if I, if I have the name wrong. Let me make sure I got that right. Um, Luca cast. Um, Alberto, not Antonio, Alberto, um, Alberto Scorfano, that's his name, Alberto, okay, sorry about that, folks, Alberto, so Alberto was the one in the beginning, and it was all Alberto's stuff that Luca finds, and so when Luca is looking at this music player thing, he's fascinated because he knows it belongs to the people um, on the outside of the water, um, and, he, and so he meets Alberto for the first time, and Alberto, you know, very playful, um, he talks Luca out into, you know, coming out of the water and going on the shore. And you soon find that when the sea monsters exit the water and they breach the water, that they turn into human beings. So Luca ends up becoming a human being, and he and Alberto become best friends, and they have a dream that they are going to get a Vespa, like a scooter, and they're going to travel the world. And Luca's enjoying all of the new wonderful scenery of being a grown human being. Um, but of course, Luca's parents find out about this. They're upset um, because they think it's dangerous, because which it is because the fishermen have spears they try and get the sea monsters with. So Luca runs away with Alberto and they go to Italy. So this is where some people start queuing in that this is a subtle nod to gay people basically gay people coming out of the closet as they say or coming out as gay is is you know symbolized when luca comes out of the water and alberto who is already out of the water or out as a gay person helps luca by encouraging him and they end up becoming you know quote unquote you know uh, gay lovers is what i think a lot of people are pushing now the story continues as Luca and Alberto meet a little girl um, and the little girl tells them about this race. And if they win this race, it's like this corny little small town race, um, then they can, they can afford to get this Vespa that they want. 
Now the race consists of, you know, a uh, water race where they swim to a buoy and back, and then they have to eat a big bowl of some type of pasta, and then they have to ride their bike up a hill. So, you know, they didn't want anyone to see them get wet because if they get wet, then they turn back into a sea monster. So the whole, you know, storyline, they're avoiding getting wet again so they don't get outed and spotted as sea monsters because then they would be killed or they're worried they would be killed. So um, another nod there is that, you know, um, is that either they're still out, but they are not out to everyone type of deal. Um, and they're still afraid to show their, you know, true selves as they would say, quote unquote. Um, anyway, so the story goes on and they're training for this race. And now Luca's parents exit the water and they turn into human beings. And now they're looking for Luca. And this sort of discredits the whole idea of Luca coming out as gay, um, by exiting the water, right? Because it just shows that everybody's exiting the water. So, Luca, um, Luca's parents are looking for him. It's really funny because they just start tossing kids into water. So like there's like a fountain in the middle of the town. So they're just like hitting kids with soccer balls. So they fall in the water to see if and like a sea monster pops up and it being their son. Cause they can't recognize their son because he's not a sea monster. So anyway, story continues. Luca and Alberto and this girl are training for the big race. The big race comes the villain or the antagonist of the story he appears, um, and he's won the race every year. It's very stereotypical in that regard. He's won the race every year. And so, he, of course, the day of the race, for a dramatic effect, it starts raining. And so as the rain comes down, Luca hides um, under some shade. And now Luca's the bicyclist. And then um, Alberto and Luca had had a falling out. And then Alberto um, comes to save Luca with an umbrella so that Luca can finish the race and win. And Alberto comes running up um, and provides the umbrella for Luca, um, or is about to, but then the antagonist, the bad guy, comes down and he kicks um, Alberto and knocks the umbrella out of his hand and he turns into a sea monster. And now the whole town all of a sudden realizes that there's sea monsters in their little village. So everyone goes crazy. Now, the first big goosebump moment for me is that Alberto goes to run away and he encourages Luca not to give up his true identity. So the bad guy, the antagonist, then um, throws a net on Alberto. And basically, this would be the end of Alberto if um, nothing happened from here. They would have speared him to death, to death probably. So then Luca um, decides in that moment that he doesn't care that he's out. He's going out as a sea monster. Maybe I do think it's... Uh, a gay thing, but he decided that he doesn't care if people know that he's a sea monster. He goes and he pedals really fast on his bike and he swoops up Alberto and saves him. And um, now the two of them are riding through this town in the race, hoping to exit and find water so they don't get killed. But the antagonist is chasing them. And so they end up, um, you know, and then all of a sudden the girl who knew there were sea monsters the whole time, um, she, you know, stops the antagonist from hurting them. And so they all crash at the very end and Alberto and Luca end up winning, but not until, you know, there's a big scuffle at the end and the town ends up agreeing that we're not going to kill these sea monsters because as you can see, they took care of this Italian girl and they're all friends and it's all good. Um, they end up getting their Vespa and then Alberto makes the, the part that I really enjoy is that, um, you know, Alberto really wants the Vespa that that's Alberto's dream and you can kind of tell that was put on Luca 
But what Luca wanted was to go with the girl and go to this school so he can learn more about the universe and learn more about the world. He's a very curious being. He wanted to go see the world, which is what he wanted from the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And so behind Luca's back, Alberto makes the decision ultimately that he's going to sell his Vespa to pay for Luca to go to school. And so the final scene, um, you know, they're seeing the girl off on the train and then she winks at Alberto, basically nodding it like she knows that Luca is about to be gifted the opportunity to go to school. So Luca goes up and Alberto says, you're going with her type of deal. You know, I'll get a Vespa one day, but not, you know, not until you go to school type of deal. Um, it was just a really cool moment for me. I, I just loved the movie, honestly. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I, I just, I love the idea of friendship. I've always been a big proponent of loving your friends and being a good friend and making sacrifices for your friends because I think that that's something that God wants to do is relationships with one another. And so I just loved the movie. As you can probably tell, I've been ranting about it for 15 minutes now. But so the whole reason I bring this up is that it's really, really, honestly, it's embarrassing I think that people are trying so hard to relate this to um, that Disney made a movie about gay people. Now, what bothers me about that is that, one, Disney came out and said, no, that we didn't. Um, if Disney wanted to make a movie about, about like gay people, they would have by now. There's nothing stopping them. Um, and I think that they would probably be rewarded greatly for it. And I think it would have a great response from the community. There's nothing, you know, Disney isn't afraid to make a gay movie. If Disney said it wasn't about, you know, gay people, then they would have, like, then then you should trust their word, honestly. They have nothing to lose in that regard. Two, I don't like that people are trying to create a scenario that makes them upset. That doesn't make any sense to me. There's so many other things as Christians that we should be concerned about and as conservatives that we should be concerned about. There are people in other countries that are being persecuted for being a Christian. And there are, um, there are little girls being sold into sex trafficking, um, around the world. And we're here concerned about Luca being gay. It just, it's, it's just asinine to be totally frank with you. Like, like people are actually spending their time being upset about this. If you want to try and look into the movie and you want to try and, Say, hey, it does kind of have some weird themes. All good. Who cares? That's fine. But there is legitimately a, a, a group of people that are upset because they think this is some sort of symbolization or metaphor for a gay person's journey. Now, another thing that, that I find really upsetting, to me at least, is that, you know, people and and as a society and really as a Christian community, I see one massive mistake that a lot of us are making is that, you know, gay people are not a specific demographic in God's eyes. Gay people are not like different and more diverse in God's eyes as say, um, like a white person or a black person. Um, you know, God loves them equally, but, being gay doesn't set you apart from being straight in God's eyes. What God sees is a sinner. And that, that's all that God sees. God sees that uh, a person that he loves and cares for, a person that he sent his son to die on the cross for that person's sin, and that particular person is struggling in a life of sin. 
Now that's the honest truth. And now if you're going to be upset with me for telling you that homosexuality is a sin, I don't know what to tell you. This podcast is probably not for you, but that's that it, the truth of the matter is it, it is, it is a sin and that's just how it is. Um, but I really, I'm really having a hard time with people who look at someone who is struggling with homosexual feelings and is living a life of homosexuality and they're calling them a gay person and he needs to be in his own category of person because he's gay when really we should be looking at that person as hey that is a person who struggles with homosexuality just like this guy over here is a person who struggles with adultery or this person right here is a person that struggles with telling the truth or this person over here is a person that struggles with being prideful. It's not that that person is a pride person or that person is a lying person or a coveting person or that person is an adulterer person. It is a person who struggles with sin just like we all struggle with sin. I've sinned today. I, I've coveted about 50 times today because I want a new fancy guitar since I'm playing worship a little bit more often at church. What's wrong with the guitar that I currently have? The guitar I have plays fine. I can I can praise God the same way, but yet I'm coveting more guitars. Am I just a coveter now? The truth is, and the, the, the thing that I think is important for us to realize is that because a person struggles with sexual desires doesn't make him a specific demographic that we as a community need to judge and isolate and make a big deal out of because a Disney movie called Luca somewhat matches a metaphoric storyline of what it might be like for a person who struggles with homosexual desires is, you know, coming out into a lifestyle of sin. That's my honest take. You can take it or leave it. Um, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. I don't care. But our, our goal should be not that we constantly seek for and look for areas of where you know, big corporations or society is moving in a sinful or liberal way. I mean, it is that that's the honest truth. But what are we doing wasting our time sitting around being upset about over over this movie, because we think it might symbolize something Now you're allowed to be upset about you know, if, if, um, you know, Disney movies do start coming out with openly gay characters, that's fine for me. You know what? My kids are too young to digest that right now. If Disney did come out with a movie and it did have people that were, you know, living a homosexual lifestyle in it, I probably wouldn't let my kids watch it. I, in fact, I definitely would not let my kids watch it, but I will raise my kids that one, I will raise them one day to know that, Hey, there are people on this earth who struggle with a certain set of sin. And that sin is being homosexual and, and having homosexual desires. That sin is the same sin that they will, you know, they'll struggle with sin as well of sin of being, you know, liars or coveters or, or whatever that they struggle with. Um, it's no different. And God loves them the same way. And we as Christians are called and implored by God to show those people the same amount of love that we would show anybody else. So the fact that we're wasting our time on a Disney movie, trying to, to make it known that this movie is about you know, two gay boys that are, you know, going through their journey of finding themselves is just idiotic. And if you're one of those people, I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings, but I really want to encourage you to find something that um, is on your heart that God has put on your heart to really pursue and to really care about. And I hope that it's something like loving someone in the community or 
or doing something kind for someone or something that is going to point people towards Jesus, not point people away from Jesus. Because when you, you know, make fools out of people who struggle with homosexuality, it's not going to push them towards Jesus. That's just the truth. You have to be correct with them and you have to tell them what you know is true and what God's word says, but you have to do it in a loving and kind way. And I think that's what God calls us to do in his word. Anyways, that's pretty much that, dude. Um, that's been on my heart to share that. That's something that I feel is really important. And I hope that you take that and, and that means a lot to you. I have particularly grown up, um, with a passion for, um, the homosexual community. Um, my grandpa is, is, uh, you know, he's, he's married to a man, um, and he's an extremely important person to me. And I remember, um, being in tears because I went to youth group, um, I went to youth group one day as a kid and one of the pastors said that, um, you know, that, that gay people will not be going to heaven. And I just hated the way that that sounded. Um, because nowhere in the Bible does it say the words gay people will not go to heaven. Um, now I'm saying word for word. Don't, don't mistake me when I tell you that I, I believe that that people who struggle with homosexual sin um, are just as much sinners as I. And without their accepting of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, yes, they will be going to hell. But them being gay doesn't make them, you know, highway ticket to hell. Them not having Jesus and not knowing Jesus, however, does. So that, I remember him saying that, and even as a 15, 16-year-old kid being really upset Um, And knowing what I know to be true about what it says in God's word about people who struggle with sin. um, It's been a huge passion for me for a really long time. Um, And it's important that I voice, since you're on my podcast, if you want to voice your opinion, you know, feel free to call me, but also start your own podcast. Honestly, this is my podcast. and I'm here to tell you that's what I believe to be true is that, you know, um, are there sins that are, that God hates more than others? Absolutely. But let me tell you one thing. It's not being gay. And it's not having a, a husband or, or a boyfriend if you're a man. That's not what God hates the most. That's the truth. God hates pride. And, and he says that multiple times throughout scripture. So anyways, man, I hope I didn't ruffle too many feathers. But at the same time, I hope I did. So all good. I'm going to wrap up this episode there. This has been episode 23, I think. Goodness gracious, man. We're just moving along. Um, I got a really exciting announcement, actually, before I go. I'm going to be launching a second podcast next Thursday, July 29th. So I will have more updates about that on my Facebook and Instagram. So you can go check out Happy Raccoon Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and look out for that podcast information. Super excited about it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm not going to give it too much away right now, but there is going to be an alternative show that's going to be a little bit more specific in content. Um, this show is obviously super random and I go all over the place. Um, but this other podcast is going to be really specific. It follows and, and it's a lot of journalism um, and a lot of true crime stuff that I talk about. That's all the hints I'm going to give you, but I hope you check it out. Um, it's going to be coming out next Thursday. I don't have a name for sure yet, but I will happily pass that along when I do. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. I really appreciate it. This has been episode 23 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast, and I hope that you decide to go love someone today.